Good evening and welcome once again to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden. Tonight we bring you the second installment in our two-part series on legal issues affecting our military veterans. Anyone who has a patriotic bone in his or her body will say, thank you for your service to our vets. But do our words match our deeds? Well, sometimes they do. Politicians, the ones who send our men and women in uniform into harm's way, routinely promise to take better care of our vets when they come home. Well, where have they succeeded and where have they failed? Tonight, we look at a success story. This week, we look at just what happens when veterans come into the criminal justice system. The specialized courts and resources devoted to help, hopefully help a helping hand to those individuals to whom we owe so much. Tonight, you're here of an award-winning program, the Veterans Treatment Court of the San Mateo County Superior Court. And by the way, veterans' issues will become a regular feature on your legal rights, just our way of saying thank you to our men and women in uniform. And of course, we want to hear from you, our listener, as you are our most important guest. If you want to join the conversation on this important topic, our phone number right here is 415-841-4134. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast of your legal rights. The phone lines are closed. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. Our guests are here to educate and inform, but they cannot and will not provide legal advice. The opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of NPR, KALW, or our guests' employers or clients. Once again, our phone number is 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, 866-798-8255. 8255. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic. Tonight, we're relating information on veterans, and in particular, the Veterans Treatment Court. You're not limited to the exact point we may be in our conversation. And tonight, we have an outstanding panel of guests. Sean Nolan is an analyst for the San Mateo County Superior Court. Also joining us tonight, appointed to the Superior Court in 2020, The Honorable Judge Michael Wendler has overseen the Veterans Court since he took over last October following the retirement of long-serving Judge John Gransert. Judge Wendler also serves as a colonel in the United States Marine Corps Reserves. In his 24 years of service, he is deployed to combat in Afghanistan and Iraq. When he isn't hearing cases in San Mateo County, he serves as Deputy Commander Senior Reservist of Combat Logistics Regiment 45 based near Atlanta, Georgia. And with that, Judge Wendler, Sean, welcome to your legal rights. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. Thank you. Let me start with this, just to kind of set the framework. It's my understanding there's a national model for a veterans treatment court. Maybe if one of you or both of you can talk a little bit about the philosophy behind the veterans treatment courts in general. Sure, I can. Uh, this is Sean Jeff. I can speak to that. Um, so there is a national model for veterans court. Uh, the uh, national organization is called the uh, National Association of Drug Court Professionals, but they uh, partner with uh, another. Uh, they have a subsidiary called Justice for Vets, 
and they're the ones that have done a lot of research in uh, in defining exactly what works for veterans in these programs. So as a our program our program tries to uh, take as much of that model and implement it as faithfully as possible so that we can be as effective in serving our vets as possible. And in serving our vets, it also appears from somebody who's occasionally there. Uh, I'm not there as often as some, but it really appears that it's not only serving our vets, but also serving our own communities, finding a balance. I would agree. Judge Wendler, welcome. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit? I mean, San Mateo County has an award-winning veterans treatment program. Can you tell us a little bit about what what is the Veterans Treatment Court and what makes San Mateo County's program so much different? Sure, Jeff. I'll be happy to give you a quick background. Um, I want to start with a quote from Judge Jack Ransert, who really is the reason we have a Veteran Treatment Court and a Military Diversion Court. This was his vision. And I think I could confidently say we've served probably between 100 and 200 veterans the last five or six years. Um, but he always reminded everybody that the goal of Veteran Treatment Court is treatment. The goal is to help the veterans get through their probation successfully and help them get the treatment they need to successfully navigate their lives even when they're done with the court. When he retired, I was the only veteran on the San Mateo County bench, so I was very fortunate to try to fill Judge Grantford's footsteps. As a judicial officer on the team, is really a team effort. I know I'm merely the voice. The real hard work and dedication is being done by the rest of the team, which I have to say is just incredible, and I get more and more impressed every time we meet. Veteran Treatment Court is a specialized court program that helps former or current members of the United States military that are in the criminal justice system in San Mateo County and connects these veterans who have some issues from their service with substance abuse disorder treatment, mental health, counseling, assistance with housing, and job training. Some of the members of the team, you just heard from Sean Nolan, who works for the courts. He's the man behind the scenes who ensures we have the resources we need. Ed Colon and his supervisor, Nora Colon from probation. Ed is the one who keeps all our veterans in track, on track and works with them and makes sure they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing and holding them accountable, but also being um, kind of empathetic and, and being a voice for them also. Angel Wynn and Angelina Gianfermo are from Behavioral Health Services for the county. Angelina is the case manager from the county that supports vets and works closely with Leah White from the Veterans Affairs, Palo Alto. They ensure the veterans get the individualized treatment that they need and are being uh, dedicated in their treatment and doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I like the fact that it's individualized towards the veteran and their issues. Leah replaced Dr. Heather McSayek, who was working with this county for years, still works for the VA. What's also unique is someone like Tim Healy, who's our leader of mentors. They're assigned to participants and themselves uh, were once in the same position sometimes as our veterans. They're their battle buddies. A federal veteran who has seen the system work from personal experience or volunteering with the courts and someone who could be there for them when things are rough, when their treatment is getting difficult, Uh, when they have urges to consume alcohol or controlled substances, and they can answer any questions or concerns for the person in our program, and they can listen without judgment and give appropriate feedback when needed. And then you have to give credit to the attorneys. Brian Donnellan from the DA's office, 
He's a retired lieutenant colonel in the Army, uh, combat zone in Iraq, Bronze Star recipient himself. Now, Melissa McCowan from the Private Defender Program, who absolutely passionate and dedicated to helping everybody. I could say my now over almost 25 years of service to Veterans Affairs, I think sometimes gets a bad reputation because a lot of people I've worked in the VA are just dedicated to serving veterans, and that's certainly the case here. Uh, they have a lot of options for residential and outpatient for these veterans um, that have been successful in lowering suicides. They offer compensated work therapy programs. This helps some individuals reenter the workforce after mental health or substance abuse that's called disruption and is a therapeutic setting. And they actually help veterans finding employment. They have vocational rehabilitation specialists to help homeless and disabled veterans locate employment. They partner with HUD to provide vouchers and case management to assist in locating and maintaining housing and have actually other housing and shelter programs. And they provide health care for homeless veterans, especially short-time shelter from 60 to 90 days, and they're given case managers. Uh, and they have transition living programs also. So the VA, um, in, in combination with San Mateo County, has been absolutely phenomenal in helping these veterans uh, get through the system and, one, get their life back on track. Before going further, I do want to give a shout-out to Melissa McCowan. I've been in contact with her the last couple of weeks, she was very much looking forward to participating in tonight's broadcast. But the storm at New Year's Eve created a sinkhole that had her trapped in her home for the last week and a half. She's newly able to emerge. But not only was she trapped at home and unable to leave, but had no power after the first day. So things are getting normalized for her. I want to wish her a shout out and tell her that we're all pulling for her to get back to normal life as quickly as possible. Judge, as you were speaking, I did get a text from one of our listeners who was asking, how are veteran addicts different from other drug addicts? Well, I, I, I'm sure Sean could expand on this too, but uh, they're different in a sense because sometimes it's their service that's causing the controlled substance issues that... You know, I'll, I'll take one that we recently admitted had some issues from the Army and a pretty serious injury from the Army. And when he transitioned out of the Army back to civilian world, he was self-medicating. And that's how he dealt with his issues, as many veterans do. You know, we ask our military to do some very serious and dangerous things, and we have to build them up a certain way to do that. And when they service, either do it's tough for them to reach out sometimes and say, hey, I need help for the things that I said, said, uh, saw or that I did. And unfortunately, sometimes it's an involvement in the criminal justice system that puts them in a situation to realize that they're not acting or treating their symptoms in a healthy manner. Um, you know, military diversion court, they have to write me letters. And we have one defendant in his last court appearance say that, he actually thanked CHP for pulling him over for a DUI because he was able to see that he was not handling his situation in a healthy manner, and he was able to get into the systems and able to get the help he needs, and now he's sober. Doesn't even, it's, not, it's not just that they get sober, Jeff. It's that they don't even think about alcohol anymore as a way to solve their problems. They're healthy. Uh, they have other means, and they're getting the treatment from VA 
and behavioral health that's giving them the tools and treating them to do that. So I think that's the biggest way that um, they're drug addicts or they have problems with alcohol or substance use because of something that happened, a nexus to their veteran service, and they're not they're self-medicating, not dealing with it in a healthy way. And we, through the VA and behavioral health and probation, assist them with that. And that's a very good question, though. And that's something that I've noticed when I've walked into the veterans treatment court. It's from the perspective of a defense attorney. It's very rare to walk into a courtroom and see someone who's been charged criminally actually thanking not only the court, but the officers who arrested him or her, who actually got them into the process because they recognize at that moment that that's what helped them turn their life around. And I've seen it multiple times walking into this court. I would say every person in military diversion or veteran treatment court that is successful because of what you just said. The word I use when I read their letters or talk to them is for the first time they have insight. They have insight into their issues. We don't judge. We're here to support them, hold them accountable, but to support them. And I think they enjoy the camaraderie uh, it helps they have a judicial officer who obviously has military service and understands. Um, and they've taught me a lot, Jeff. I mean, they really have. They made me stronger and uh, made me look at some of my own issues and said, these, these guys are just tremendous on how they're dealing with things. And the again, I always come back to the insight. When I read the letters, they have insight and they're dealing with it and they're motivated. And you see, you see from when they first enter the program, as they go along, just how stronger they get and how they're breaking down their own barriers. Um, and it definitely helps with the VA when they're in group sessions with other veterans. That really helps because they see other veterans talking about issues and it gives them the strength to do it. And after a while, they have no problem talking about issues. I mean, um, I could speak as a Marine. If you're asking a, a 20-year-old Marine to kick down a door in Fallujah and have an AK-47, facing him or a grenade thrown at him, the brain is not meant to handle that. You're going to come back with mental issues, and we owe it to them to assist them when we can. Jeff, I would expand on what uh, Judge Wendler said. I, I think that his, his uh, uh, you know, in response to your listener's question, um, our program exists not necessarily because uh, the type of drug addiction suffered by veterans is different, though it, is, it definitely has some, some differences from other folks, but also because of the resources that we can bring to bear. Uh, there are a lot of veteran-specific resources that uh, are available to us that aren't available to other folks. One of the very first things that we do in the Veterans Court Program is we look to see uh, how the veteran is leveraging the resources to which they're already entitled, uh, their, their care through the VA. And if we find that maybe they're not accessing their care, then one of the first things we do is, is try to connect them to that. That's the very first step is connecting them to, their, to the benefits that they're already owed. And, you know, once we can establish that connection, then the focus kind of shifts to getting them to engage with those benefits. And that's something that we don't have for, um, you know, other folks who have substance use issues in the criminal justice system. But that's just one example. One other thing I've experienced as a criminal defense attorney, people become drug addicts for myriad of reasons. Some of them have had life experiences that take them off of the path that they were destined to be on. Others may have mental health issues and they're self-medicating. There's all sorts of reasons. But it seems that one thing that differentiates this court 
is that there's at least a common nexus. It may not be all of somebody's problems, but there's one common thread, one common experience that everybody shares. So it gives you an angle with which to work for the people. Definitely. I did get another call. This one is from Linda in Redwood City. Maybe after, when we talk off air, I'll, I'll tell you who Linda is. You may be guessing it's an attorney in Redwood City who's asking if you could elaborate a bit more on what role the VA plays in the Veterans Treatment Court. I'll speak to that. Um, so uh, there are already myriad resources available through the VA that uh, our veterans need. Um, one is access to medication-assisted treatment, if, if that's medically appropriate for them. So they can uh, leverage that type of care. They also have access to uh, counseling, uh, both individual and group counseling, um, and uh, and other other resources. When we the, we have a we enjoy a really great partnership with the VA, uh, as the judge mentioned. Uh, we have a we have a, a team member for, that represents the VA the, the VA at our meetings, and uh, is able to advise the team or the the judge and the team. Um, as to what services are available and, and uh, what we can uh, help that help each individual with. If you're, a, if you're comfortable answering this, Judge, one of the questions that came to mind was just how this, how similar this type of treatment and this type of approach is to the type of treatment that active military might receive through our armed forces. Uh, do armed forces, active service members get the same type of attention, the same treatment for drug addiction and mental health issues as they might be getting on the outs through the Veterans Treatment Court? Like anything, I think it depends. There are certainly a lot of resources uh, for active Marines and even, well, I should say active service members, including reservists, uh, yes, to get treatment. This is probably a little differently, obviously, because it's through the VA and the courts um, and the active component there's more at risk for them as for their discharge and how they're processed. Uh, but the active component does have a lot of resources uh, to help, especially with mental health. Obviously, that is um, something that's very important to the military, especially with the amount of suicides. And we're trying to tackle that all the time and figure out what is uh, causing suicides. A lot of it is the lack of camaraderieship that they lose that when they leave the military. Uh, they're not around their peers and brothers and sisters that have, um, you know, misery loves company. So when you're not your friends, it's a lot easier to deal with. But yes, the active component and reserve component, there are a lot of resources to assist them with either PTSD uh, or substance abuse issues. But like you said, you know, sometimes you don't know what comes first. Is it the substance abuse that leads to the mental illness or is it the mental illness that leads to the substance abuse? Last week, we had a session with Jesse Coulter of the Overwatch Collective. And one of the things that he described to us is the experience of discharge. You could have an honorable discharge and every arm of the service gave you some preparations, a checklist of things to go through in the time before your separation. But for so many people, if they don't have that level of support when they get out, they could easily fall off track. Is that, like, is that something that, with the help of the VA, the treatment court is really helping get people back on track and find a new mission and really find a direction in life? Yeah, I mean, they do have programs 
that can assist not, I mean, hopefully we don't get to the point where they need housing, uh, but they do have work therapy programs. I'll admit when I transitioned off active duty, I immediately went to the reserves, but um, I went straight from active duty to law school and my unit during that transition was told to go back to Iraq. And it was a difficult transition for me um, to now be surrounded by individuals slightly younger than me that were just um, no, you know, not much real world experience going uh, straight from college to law school, knowing that the people I served with are back over there and that was during some of the toughest battles and you're not there. So um, it was a tough transition even for me. So um, what I mean by that is um, I didn't see nearly as much combat as some of these Marines coming back from Fallujah and I had a strong support network. And uh, unfortunately it wasn't too long after Iraqi freedom or enduring freedom that we saw some of our combat veterans in homeless shelters. And I worked closely as part of my reserve job when I was in law school um, to work with the VA in Los Angeles and Long Beach. And I could say the social workers were phenomenal at trying to find these veterans that were in homeless shelters uh, only a year or two after serving in the military and trying to get them the treatment they needed. And um, unfortunately, some people's um, difficulties, and we could certainly say the difficulties to say it lightly that the Vietnam War veterans went through, um, have we've learned from that. And I think it's bipartisan support to take care of our veterans coming back. As you said, when people, politicians send them uh, to do very difficult and dangerous things to make sure they're taken care of when they, when they return. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. Tonight, we're discussing the veterans issues that we began last week. We're focusing tonight on the Veterans Treatment Court in San Mateo County with Sean Nolan, Management Analyst at the San Mateo County Superior Court, and Judge Michael Wendler, Judge of the San Mateo County Superior Court, and Colonel in the United States Marine Corps Reserve. If you have questions for my guests, our phone number is 415-841-4134. Again, that's 415-841-4134. You're listening to a rebroadcast of Your Legal Rights with Jeff Hayden. The phone lines are closed. 798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic. You want to talk about the Veterans Treatment Court. You want to talk about how veterans are treated within the criminal justice system. You're not limited to the exact point we may be in our conversation. One question that I get asked periodically is, how does this fit within the scheme of prosecuting criminal cases. It it seems to be a a deviation of what we expect in a criminal prosecution. Well, there's risk, obviously. Um, For for military diversion court, it's actually statutory through the California legislature. So that is the law. Um, And we work closely with the DA's office. And they obviously have a say if they object to someone getting this treatment or the dangerousness of somebody. Um, so it, it, it is careful or you got to be careful uh, because they are getting, I don't know if it's specialized treatment. Well, it is specialized treatment, but it, again, you have to, we have to ensure that there's a nexus between their military service um, and the criminal act. So we are very careful about making sure there's that nexus and they're not just getting a bargain or a special deal 
because of their military service. And, and Sean may be able to elaborate on that too. Yes. Uh, we, I always see these programs as having two major components. There's the treatment component and the supervision component. And, you know, of course, the objective of the program is to get uh, veterans into recovery for whatever issues they may have, whether that be substance abuse or mental health issues. But you know, we also have to supervise them, not only to hold them accountable, but to make sure that the public is safe. So we work very very closely with probation. Um, our, our probation uh, officer that staffs the program does an excellent job um, finding that balance between um, trying to trying to help people with their their needs and also to but holding them accountable and making sure that they comply with the program. For example, there's uh, a drug testing component. We make sure that we monitor uh, their abstinence from substance use uh, with frequent or continuous drug testing. Um, they're required to check in periodically, uh, not only with the court but with the probation department. Um, so I, I always look at it as kind of creating a, a cordon, uh, you know, put it, putting a a rope line around the person um, so that treatment can occur within that space. And I'll, I'll say, Jeff, that, you know, protection of the public is paramount. And one way you could protect the public is by ensuring somebody that has issues gets the help, the treatment they need, and are rehabilitated. And that's what happens in veteran treatment court, thanks to the VA and behavioral health, that we have individuals that have issues because of their military service and we have access to make sure they get the resources to address that and put them on the right path. So instead of perhaps the regular course of criminal justice system, if they didn't have these access to the VA and behavioral health, they might be put on probation or they're not really dealing with the issues, the underlying issues, and we're able to do that. And so at the end of the time, uh, their time in veteran treatment court, uh, I truly believe if they're going to graduate that they are rehabilitated, help them issues, our return who served their community, suffered an injury because of their service, and we're returning to society somebody who's dealt with those issues and is a contributing member of society. And a lot of that couldn't be done without the probation officer continuing to track them and the, the mentors assisting them through it. And when they're having a tough time, somebody to call and also behavioral health and veterans affair that has individualized treatment and gears it towards what they need um, and make sure they do it. And one of the, one of the concepts that a lot of lay people have a hard time understanding is that what you're doing isn't necessarily an easier way or a softer ride, if so to speak for some of the vets that you're treating, they actually have to put in a lot more work than they would with a brief period of the work program, but it's turning their life around so that some of the more serious offenses that might have occurred aren't going to because you've changed the course of the life that someone was on. I, got, I have to be careful to keep telling a criminal defense attorney is such a valid point because I don't want the DAs to think I'm biased, uh, but that is a great point. Um, you know, it's not an easy court. Um, it's intensive. There's not just community service and potential jail time, but the treatment itself is very intense. Sometimes it's residential treatment program. We have individuals that are on residential treatment program and they're better suited in residential treatment program, getting the assistance um, than doing a sheriff or program type sentence. So we take that all into consideration. They get assessed before their, uh, it is ultimately my decision but they do get assessed by the VA or behavioral health to see 
uh, if they're eligible and if it's something that, that we feel that they can comply with. And it can be intense uh, between the treatment and the classes and veteran and residential treatment. It can also last a while. Uh, we, we, a lot of the people who graduate our program spend about two years in the program. One of the things I learned from, actually, Judge Wendler, I learned from your father many years ago on a trip to Delancey Street with a number of people from the court, from the defense, the prosecution, and we learned that uh, there are a lot of folks that understand they're going to have a much tougher time, but they choose a treatment model so that they put the life behind them. It's that insight, Jeff. They have the insight that they don't like the way they're dealing with it or where their life is. And they have that insight that they need help and they want it. It's phenomenal to watch. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 San Francisco. We'll be back right after this. listening to Your Legal Rights here on KALW, where we get some support from the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your particular situation. The number to call, 415-989-1616. That's 415-989-1616. Or visit sfbar.org for more information. Coming up at 7, it's great storytelling with the Moth Radio Hours. True stories told live, no script, no props, no nothing. Today, stories of determined people. Stay with us here on KLW. Now back to Jeff Hayden and your legal rights. We've been speaking somewhat generically about the Veterans Court but there's actually two distinct veterans court programs in San Mateo County, are there not? Yes. Would one or both of you like to talk about the difference between the military diversion court and the veterans treatment court? Uh, yeah, I, I can speak to that, Jeff. So uh, the military diversion uh, is kind of an option of first resort uh, for uh, veterans who um, may not uh, have as severe of an offense or um, may not have as, as severe issues that need to be addressed. So they have an opportunity to uh, go through a, a diversionary program, and if they complete it, then uh, their charges will be dropped. Veterans Court is different because it's a, it's a post-conviction program. So uh, you're sentenced to Veterans Court instead of, having, instead of being diverted. Um, and what we do to kind of motivate people to participate in veterans court is if they're, if, if they stick with the program, they do a good job and they, they meet all the requirements and successfully complete, then, uh, they their charges can be expunged even though they were, they were sentenced, uh, to get there. So, um, that's the major difference, but as far as the, and the, the programs do vary a little bit in intensity the, the admission criteria are about the same for both. You still have to have a nexus between your service and uh, whatever issues you're dealing with, whether they be you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or um, or uh, uh, substance use or anything or whatever whatever got you there, it's about the same for for both programs. Um, so we can you know often look and see well, would somebody fare better in 
military diversion or in, in veterans court. Um, and they're not mutually exclusive. It, it, we have had cases before where somebody has tried military diversion and it didn't work out for them, but they've come back later in veterans court and we were able to help them there. There's times, Jeff, a couple of cases where I didn't feel military diversion court was going to be enough to uh, intense enough to help the individual and we've accepted them into veterans treatment court. One of the criteria in general in military diversion court is it's limited to misdemeanors, is it not? Yes, statutorily. And usually the more intensive veterans treatment court doesn't have to have a lengthy period of probation in order to really make the program work? Yes. So as Sean said earlier, it could, it's, it could be two or even two years or even longer uh, to make it work. Yes. So obviously felonies can get you into the veterans court where they can't get you into the military diversion court. But misdemeanors that don't carry more than a year of probation, which is most, would that make it to where somebody couldn't get into the veterans uh, treatment court? No, because on misdemeanors, we could still do diversion, judicial diversion for up to two years. So they have to accept that. So they have to make, you know, to be clear, if they want this program, as Sean alluded to earlier, they they have to really dedicate themselves. And, you know, their subjects, you know, so, some of these misdemeanors, they could just be on court probation, not being supervised. Uh, but as part of this program, they're they're supervised and they have to come in and they have to drug test. And they have to go get treatment and they have to do public service work and they have to write letters to the court. They have to show up in court um, once a month. So it, it's intense and it's dedicated. It's definitely, you could argue it's, it's much harder than court probation and uh, sheriff court program type cases or even, even in custody. And some of these uh, veterans still have to do some in custody time. Um, so it's, it's not a walk in the park. But they're dedicated. Yeah, the, the, they even have to agree to submit to a, a flash incarceration as a potential sanction. So if we if we had somebody who who really uh, who really kind of messes up in the program, that's that's a tool that's at the program's disposal that they, they can be sent to a, a short period of incarceration in order to uh, you know kind of get the message across that they need to reengage with the program. So, for lack of a better expression, somebody really has to be ready to turn their life around, or probably it's not a good time for them to start in this program. Yes, and I think like a lot of collaborative courts, sometimes individuals really aren't ready to turn their lives around, but there's incentive uh, to try and maybe it's to avoid jail time. You know, drug court used to be like that. I think, you know, back in the day when the laws were different, you know, avoid prison. But once they get involved in it and once they break down their own barriers and around other veterans and they see the other veterans being vulnerable, and changing their lives around. And that's what I ask when people first join uh, the court to, to, to watch their journey. And when they first are accepted or about to be accepted, they have to sit through uh, or watch the rest of the court so they can see the success stories and they can see where they're going to be three, six, nine, 12 months uh, from that date. And they get to see this, um, the camaraderie and the graduations. Sean, from where you sit, you're, you're sitting in on these court appearances, I guess, twice a month. What have you seen in the way of engagement from the bench, particularly from Judge Wendler, for folks that are engaged in, uh, that are getting started in the program? 
Well, I'd definitely be remiss if I didn't uh, if I didn't start with uh, Judge Grantsert. Um, you know, we, we've been really fortunate to have two great judges during my tenure, uh, Judges Grantsert and Wendler, um, who really are dedicated to the program. Um, Judge Judge Grantsert, until his retirement, was just a tremendous torchbearer, and really led the way uh, and and did a he assembled a great team and he he built a, a great program, um, and you know now. Uh, we have Judge Wendler, who, uh, you know, when you see these programs, a lot of times it, it's it's more the exception than the rule that you have a judge who is a veteran, much less a judge who's actively serving. So um, seeing Judge Wendler uh, as a colonel on the bench relating to the participants in the program, he's able to connect with them through that lived experience and uh through the through the culture that they they have shared they, that they that the participants and the judge have both been a part of, and it, it's it's been really wonderful to see uh, how the how the the veterans in our program have uh, have connected with that. Um, it's it's been really great. So, what are some of the common problems you see in vets entering the program? And talk a little bit about how the program really reaches out to help them fix some of these problems when they come in. Well, as Judge Wendler mentioned, you know, one of the very first things we do is we run them through a series of assessments just to try to get an understanding of, of their lives uh, and the, the, the things that have caused them to offend, the specific nature of their trauma, their housing situation, their finances, whether their employment status, their education status. And the, the team takes all of this information and, and tries to come up with um, an, an, you know, an informal plan that's individualized to each person. Uh, now, there are obviously common common um, elements of the program that everybody has to do. For example, everybody has to participate in community service. But um, we really try to do a lot of, of tailoring, uh, tailoring the program to each person's individual needs. Um, we see a lot of folks with housing issues. Um, naturally, we see a lot of people with PTSD. Uh, we also uh, have accepted people in the past who have suffered from military trauma, uh, military sexual trauma. Um, but you know, substance abuse, uh, alcohol use; these are all common factors, which you know tracks with with the national research that that you see about veterans that they are more likely to experience uh, trauma, they are more likely to experience homelessness uh, and substance use that when compared to non-veterans. And to expand on that a little bit, Jeff, you know, and this is, you know, you don't forget about the victims of cases if there are victims, and sometimes there are, and obviously the DA's office does a good job reminding us that there's victims in the cases, and so we also have to make sure that uh, sometimes there's risk, and sometimes, and that's usually going to fall on me, but you're going to take some risk, uh, hopefully calculated risk, in accepting someone into the program with the understanding there was a victim, and you're not excusing their behavior. You're still holding them accountable. Uh, and there's ways we do that. Uh, but again, trying to ensure there's no future victims by addressing their underlying issues, making sure they get insight and in the treatment that they need. And you spoke earlier of some of the role that the Veterans Administration plays. But some of the other partner agencies also lend a hand, I imagine. Are you getting much assistance from, say, Service Connect or some of the substance abuse treatment programs in the area. We enjoy an excellent partnership with uh, all of the county agencies, um, the the probation department, BHRS. Uh, 
we don't just accept you know, the the veterans that we accept into our program may have different discharge statuses, and that may affect what kind of benefits they they're entitled to. So we work with we we want to serve all the veterans that we can, regardless of their discharge status. So we work with um, you know county mental health and and substance use agencies to try to connect folks to resources that you know maybe someone else might get through the VA, but the need is still there uh, regardless of your discharge status. So we we have a you know, those agencies are represented on our on our treatment team and. If, if there's something that they can't get through the VA, we try to find another avenue to get them the support uh, that they need to address the root causes of their uh, offending behavior. And that's what's phenomenal to watch, Jeff, is the team uh, coming up with solutions, not finding problems, but coming up with solutions. And, you know, we're all taxpayers in the other VA doing tremendous things. And San Mateo County, not just with our veterans, but our leadership of the Board of Supervisors and the county executive, they do so much. And, and, and county health, they do so much to try to assist residents of San Mateo County with mental health, and they certainly uh, are the leader in that and the veteran side. And listening to the team when there's an on how do we help the VA, but the VA and uh, behavioral health work together uh, to try their best uh, to try to rehabilitate an individual. So it's great to watch. Everybody, it, it truly is a team, and as you know, um, there's what only three adversarial, you know, fields in the world: uh, law, war, and sports. Uh, so it's nice in the courts to see collaboration and people working together to help individuals. And at least two out of three of those participate. You, you mentioned, Sean, a, a national model. You talked a little bit about that. Is there a lot of collaboration between veterans courts in various places in the country? Yes. Uh, veterans courts and other collaborative courts programs are able to connect through the national organizations. Um, there are even some veterans courts that uh, have achieved what we call mentor court status. And essentially those, those programs have demonstrated um, their effectiveness and their compliance with best practices, um, their, their ability to successfully operationalize those practices to, uh, to help the veterans in their communities. And it's not uncommon for uh, veterans court programs to visit other court programs and kind of see uh, how they've approached things. It, the, the model is, it, it exists, but it's not rigid. I've, I've never seen two courts implement a veterans court the exact same way. Different communities have different needs, um, different cultures, and each of them ad- adapts the model to suit them the best. But the, you know, the reason that the model exists is because we we know we know through research what works with folks. We know that. For example, we can deter people from continuing to use substances through uh, frequent, random, and observed drug testing. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's nice to to be able to tap into that uh, national network and attend training conferences and things like that, so that we can uh, we can improve our game and uh, serve better serve the veterans in our community better. Can you give us an example of a success story from Veterans Court? Uh, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Judge. Yeah, I was going to, you know, one, there was, you know, a Pacifica resident and veteran who was thinking about what was next in his life. And, you know, he served 17 years in the Navy, um, 
and he kind of unfortunately started facing serious sentences for drug and gun possession convictions. And he was given a chance by Judge Grantzer to receive treatment for his methamphetamine addiction. And he was found eligible for the Veteran Treatment Court. So he was working with addiction and behavioral specialists and groups to learn anger management skills. And he developed that confidence that we see others do, his ability to communicate with others, be present for his family and friends. He was assigned a mentor and housing at the Homeless Veterans Rehabilitation Program in Menlo Park. And as he says, and as so many other veterans say, he gained that self-awareness, that insight, and a sense that he could deal with the challenges life presented. And he said, I think if it wasn't for the program, I don't know how, um, I don't know what would have happened. It taught me how to deal with things and communicate and be a better person. And he was able to graduate uh, from the court after doing his 100 hours of community service and dealing with his issues. Um, and we just had someone graduate from military diversion court a couple of days ago, and he basically credited the team, again, uh, the team for uh, basically saving them and putting them on the right track. And uh, it's just it's just great to see. Pretty one, of, one, of my, one of my favorite success stories is uh, a fellow that we had in the program a few years ago. I think when he came into the program, he was homeless. He was living under a bridge. And he stayed with us for about two years, and he had his ups and downs. But um, you know, he stuck with us, and we stuck with him. And he graduated the program, and uh, I, b- I believe about the same time he graduated the program, he had, he had gotten a mortgage for a home and found gainful employment through the program. And uh, so we, you know, there are there are a few of those. One of the one of the nice things about the program is that we have that mentorship component. And when we have those kind of superstars who who make their way through the program, we try to keep keep them close to us. And uh, we you know we have an alumni sort of an alumni association, and we try to encourage folks who are dedicated and have found success through our program to come back and work as mentors for uh, participants in the future. So you know somebody who's had their share of legal troubles, and you think the person is reachable. They're somebody you would want to throw a lifeline to. How do you, and I'm by you, I mean, how do I, how does that community member, a family member, how do they get them started on this path? They know they've been arrested recently. How do we get them started in the path to entering these courts and receiving these services and maybe turning their life around? I mean, it could be as simple as just reaching out to their defense attorney. And I'd say that the defense attorneys that we predominantly deal with in San Mateo County are very familiar with how military diversion court and veteran treatment court and are strong advocates for their um, assessment and getting into the program. Until- I, I, would, I would agree with the judge, Jeff. I think, I think it, it starts, with, starts with the defense attorney having that, that uh that person to advocate for you to, to get into the program if you're appropriate for it. And simply telling attorney the attorney about I'm sorry? The, and telling the attorney about the service that the person participated in and really getting a dialogue going with that particular individual. Definitely. But what, what I've, what's been nice to see is I've seen a lot of the criminal defense attorneys in San Mateo County be proactive in checking with their clients to see if they have military service. And then looking into the assessments, you know, even from an attorney's point of view, to be honest, it's more work uh, to have their client 
in military diversion court, veteran treatment court, there's more court appearances, there's more advocacy, but it's it's been great to see that uh, everybody's on the same page and wants to do what's best, uh, not just for the individual, but again, for even victims in the community, because we hope to turn out someone who's rehabilitated and uh, a contributing member of society. And something a lot of folks don't understand. The reason we do this isn't because a defense attorney is pro-crime or a prosecutor wants to throw someone away. We're all contributing to the community in a different way, different perspective, but we're all part of it. And the reason defense attorneys do this type of work, whether it's to get somebody into the military treatment programs or whether trying to get them a sentence that's more fitting to what their needs are, the idea is to try to throw someone a lifeline. And when you do achieve that, it carries you for a long time because so often you just don't have have that available to you, don't have that victory in front of you. Definitely. What other resources are available for, well, we've talked about most of the basic problems. We've talked about physical treatment and employment, housing and is the GI Bill still available to help some of the vets that are going through the courts? Are they going to be able to perhaps take the next step as you did to, to transition them from military service to a professional career? Yes, I mean, the GI Bill still can, um, especially the post-9-11 GI Bill. I was able to take advantage of the old, it was called the Montgomery GI Bill during law school, and I'm not complaining about the resources I got, but the new one is absolutely phenomenal. I think it was spearheaded by James Webb, a famous Marine and uh, senator that started the new GI Bill. But uh, if eligible, it will pay for four years of school or vocation training plus housing allowances. So I think it pays up to whatever school you go to in your state. It pays up to the highest tuition up to the um, public university of that state. And then it gives you, I think, a sergeant's uh, housing allowance, whatever that sergeant's rate is for that school is. And there's also vocational rehabilitation programs, which assist veterans in furthering their education or paying for programs when the GI Bill has expired or, or been used up. So the, the, the new GI Bill is just absolutely phenomenal, and uh, it's great. It's not just for college, but for vocational training also. So at least in this arena, it sounds like when the politicians have promised that they're going to work to make things better for veterans, at least in this arena, they've actually been backing it up. Yes, I won't tell you how much I would have saved if I went to law school a year later um, with the new GI Bill. So, again, credit to James Webb, um, who's a war hero himself, um, for, for spearheading that and bipartisan support many years ago. I would also say, Jeff, that uh, a lot of the we've had a lot of local political support. Um, the you know, County Board of Supervisors has, has always been. Uh, engaged with our program, um, and you know, w- if we've ever had an, an unmet need, they've always been willing to listen and uh, help us out. If there's, you know, maybe something that we we don't have the money for, we can you know, reach out to them, and, and sometimes they're able to help us because the work that we do with Veterans Court really dovetails well uh, with a lot of the county initiatives that regard or that that relate to veterans that may not necessarily be justice involved. So, you know, I, I think there's a there's really solid alignment between the county's agenda with regard to uh, helping veterans and also uh, the, the agenda of our program. 
And Sean, do you want to speak briefly? It's probably better coming from you for some of the charities that are out there or set up or other ways to uh, help the veterans through this program? Um, I'm, so I, I'm sure that there are probably a lot that I'm unaware of, but I, I know that there are, uh, there's a uh, uh, fund uh, that, that, uh, that people can contribute to called the Wendler Fund, and we use some funding for that to support uh, veterans who may have unmet needs um, sometimes. So, uh, you know, one of those situations that just, just those odd situations, like I think there's a situation where a guy, um, he had to put his tools in storage and he needed his tools to work. He was a, he, he, uh, I think he was a craftsman and uh, he wasn't going to be able to pay the, uh, the rent on his storage unit. So we were able to, you know, just find some money for that little, for those little things that come up and, and we were able to kind of help him make sure, you know, bridge the gap until he was able to um, pay for his, uh, pay for his rent on that again. Because, you know, the last thing we want to do is see a person in our program who has work or has the ability to work, lose that ability through our program. We work very hard to make sure that people or that veterans who are employed stay employed and veterans who aren't employed when they come to us find employment. We're really at the end of the hour, and I wanted to give each of you one to two minutes for any closing thoughts or additional information you wanted to pass along. I'll let you start. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I really think that the Veterans Court program uh, has been uh, an asset to our county. Uh, we, you know, focusing on the root causes that uh, lead to public safety issues and criminal behavior um, is a lot harder to do than locking people up. But I I believe it to be a more durable solution long-term. If we can get somebody into recovery and, and fix those drivers of their criminal behavior, then over the long-term, it makes the community safer. And that's, that's really the philosophy. And you know, especially with this population of, of veterans who have given to their country and done so much, we, we just want to make sure that they don't end up getting left behind by society. Yeah, Jeff, uh, you know, the reality of, you know, the reality is that there's some people who want to protect the community. There's some people that need to be behind bars, unfortunately. But there's another way to protect the community is rehabilitation. And we talked about Delancey Street. There's many ways of doing that. And so the, these programs are truly doing that. They're reducing recidivism. They're helping the vulnerable population. And they're reducing crime. In the end, I think they're saving resources. And I really do think this could be a model that could be used in different types of courts for non-veterans to give people resources that have mental health or substance abuse issues in order to, again, reduce that recidivism, uh, reduce crime, and allow people to not to be victimized because our vulnerable population receive the help they need. And in the end, that would also save resources. Local law enforcement's not responding. The jails are less crowded. Um, so, but, but this is, what's great is, you know, a lot of times in court, as you know, it's adversarial, but this is certainly a team effort and the team is what makes it work. And they're just dedicated, um, public servants to try to help these individuals. And I think the reward they get from it, at least I know I do, is when you speak with these veterans and you see their progress and you see their insight 
and you, you, you see them break down their own barriers and you see them evolve over the course of the program and taking uh, advantage of the resources and making themselves better. It's very easy for a program to give everybody leniency. It's very easy for a program or a court to throw everyone away. What makes this special, and and frankly, I I say this to you, Judge, what, what really makes you a special judge is the wisdom to see who you really can turn around, who is worthy of that lifeline. And unfortunately, also to see who may not be and really see the wisdom of turning people around and making our community better and by putting its resources and saving the people you can. You've been listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM in San Francisco, Bay Area. Tonight we've concluded our first and hopefully the first of many discussions of veterans' issues. Tonight we've taken a look at the award-winning Veterans Treatment Court program in San Mateo County. Our guests tonight have been Sean Noland, Management Analyst in the San Mateo County Superior Court, and Judge Michael Wendler, Judge of the San Mateo County Superior Court and Colonel in the United States Marine Corps Reserve. Be sure to listen again next week on Your Legal Rights, where we will discuss landlord-tenant law. As always, we take your calls and answer your questions. Once again, a thank you to our esteemed guests and all of you for joining us. And at the controls tonight, David Latulipe. I'm Jeff Hayden. Good night and stay safe. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information.